0: in this episode what does the cloud have to do with pandemics do you know that ibm has not manufactured laptops in 18 years and coming out of the lockdown
1: oil and gas has always challenged technology now it's time for tech to challenge back Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour.
0: Hey folks, before we get into the show and our guests, please, 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 if you want to support this show and our eight other oil and gas podcasts, just leave a review. If you think the show is great, I'd love a five-star review. If you think it needs some work, leave me a one-star. Tell me what we need to change. And then a big shout out to Nutanix, sponsor of this show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. And You know, we're all locked down during this COVID-19, and I'm very, very honored and lucky to have two great guests. So I have Z with IBM, and I have Harpreet with Aviva. How are y'all doing today, gentlemen?
2: Doing great, Martin.
0: Well, very good. Are y'all driving yourselves crazy being locked down at home?
2: Yeah, I think the isolation process has set in way about two weeks ago now. So we're ready to get out.
0: <laughs> me too. I'm ready to see other people again. I didn't realize how it would affect me, but you know it's the price that we have to pay. So real quick, before we get into this whole COVID-19, Preet, what does your company do?
1: Aviva is a provider of engineering and operations management software. We're based out of UK. We are FTSC 100 company and roughly about 4,500 employees based around the globe.
0: Wow. Global presence, big company. Now, Z, your company's a little bit bigger. Who do you work for?
2: I work for IBM and I lead our chemicals and petroleum go-to-market activities around the world and we are full services. So we have the entire stack from services point of view, so software, hardware components, and the services components as part of our offerings.
0: Yeah. And we talked about this before we turned the microphone on. I just want to be very clear here. IBM does not manufacture hardware anymore. IBM's a think tank. So if you're in the petrochemical downstream part of the industry and you got a problem and you want somebody to see if they can help you solve it, I don't care what the problem is, reach out to IBM. On staff, they have everything from geologists to geophysicists to petroleum engineers to chemical engineers. They know this industry. It's just a shame that somebody, some of us still think that you manufacture hardware, but it's not what IBM does. And a big shout out, Z, to your company for sponsoring oil and gas this week, which is our number one show. It's actually Number one oil and gas podcast in the world. All right, so let's talk COVID 19. So the world is basically locked down. The oil and gas industry has this double black swan event at the same time this pandemic's going on. What's going on with the oil and gas companies during this time, fellas?
2: See, so, you know, the way I'm looking at the impact, I think it's a perfect storm between COVID, the pandemic elements of it, and the commodity price elements between the commodity wars that are ongoing. So I think if you were to follow that from a what I call a value chain impact aspect of it, it's very different impacts for different parts of the value chain. So look at the upstream companies, there's a significant cost pressure, containment pressures for them relative to the significant glut in supply and also the downturn in the demand at the same time. So it's a converged event for them. So there's a significant issue for them. But when you look at the dependencies between storage companies, you know, the cost of storage and the current lack of availability of storage due to the significant glut has changed their business cycles in a different way. And then on the downstream side, I think typically what we see in the past events, you know, there was always a supply and demand equation and and having both significantly more supply and demand being on the lower side, that has caused even issues for the downstream companies. So, that is just, you know, on the macro level that we are seeing across the board.
0: Yeah. I've never been through this period where there's low crude prices and downstream has decreased demand. Usually during low crude prices, downstream's on fire because their raw feed has been cut by forty to sixty percent. And not this time. And you're right about the storage too. This is literally history, me and make right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Habrik, did you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah, yeah. i just building on top of what Z said. I mean, the, the current market environment is unprecedented never seen anything like this and you know the supply and trading companies are going to have to be a lot more active just to be able to react to the constantly changing market environment if you see the amount of fluctuation in pricing the scenarios are changing rapidly you know the crude suddenly dropped the demand is changing you know suddenly you know people realize that they're they're running out of storage and you know we had a historic moment when the crude prices went hugely negative in Americas all of these can be opportunities for people as well so they will be absolutely winners and losers in this situation and the agility is going to be the key to surviving this unprecedented environment that is available out there of course this has to be done within the preview within the of HSE that is paramount you know the companies have to look at worker safety environmental safety that sort of stays those are sacrosanct. They always stay together, but everything else is fluctuating widely and they'll have to react very, very quickly across the board. Now there are a few things that are out there a little bit going forward that we don't know how it's going to evolve. Yes, the demand is down right now, and the demand is expected to stay low as travel, as you know, the airline, you know, sort of pick up a little bit, but there are other factors, you know, f- that think about the factors that the amount of demand for automobiles, their projecting might go up as people take lesser and lesser amount of public transport. So there's there is multiple factors at play right now that need to evolve and see. And basically, the key is for the oil and gas companies to be able to react to these constantly changing market environment.
0: Yeah. Our industry is not known for being nimble, but I agree <laughs> with both of y'all. In the future, if you could be in this industry, you have to be much faster to respond than the old ways of doing stuff. So here in Texas, we're starting to ease out of the lockdown, which is actually kind of nice. And I think a lot of the world is either following us or a little bit ahead of us. So when you're looking at coming out of this lockdown, you're looking at the recovery, what kind of options are available to oil and gas companies, both short-term and long-term that may help them?
1: So the oil and gas companies uh, and then suppliers will have to be a lot more resilient in there and adaptable to the environment. There are a few options available for them. First of all, you know the integrated manufacturers, people who have more flexibility to be able to go from, you know, even in North America, as you you said yourself, Mark, people went from, you know, producing gasoline to suddenly producing diesel, a lot more diesel. That, you no, know, in fact, the historic amount of, you know, sort of flip between the jet fuel is at a discount right now to the gas oil. So as the demand recovers for jet fuel, as the demand for gasoline, we go into the summer season being able to flip very quickly in between these two is going to be key to them you know there is a constant pressure for sustainability across the board as well a lot of the oil majors have committed to maintaining sustainability pressure so bringing in the sustainability factor energy efficiency factor renewables factor is going to be key to all of those things and then of course the integrated manufacturers which have the petrochemical end as well will also be looking at, you know, sort of flexing between petrochemicals and the fuels area. So, again, it comes back to all about flexibility on how they are able to go back and forth. And the last thing I would say is, is there is going to be disruption in supply as shale is going to be impacted. People will have to look for alternatives where to, to source from the crude. You know, America has been in a great position to actually get cheap local shale oil for the last few years. As the fluctuation and the oil prices impact that, they'll have to look for alternatives to source the crude and as well as look at how to get this crude to the inland refiners as well.
0: Yeah, it's just unbelievably unprecedented time, and companies are going to have to make decisions now that's going to impact their bottom line next year or or next five years or next 10 years, and they have to make the right decisions. So one of the things that started before this COVID-19 is in the last, I'd say, five years, the oil and gas industry has been much more open to new technology and new processes than they were before technology has to play a part in this recovery don't you think
2: absolutely i think technology combined with you know what you're starting to see is you know the elements of cost reduction plays that are in going in typically on the capital project side you will see you know decrease in capital because the planning cycles for the traditional oil and gas companies whether they're integrated oils or the nocs have a longer horizons in terms of what they're playing right so one component of that is to look at the whole digitalization of their work processes and identification of those components that are critical to a safer environment is key, right? Other elements, I think, where technologies can be looked at is, you know, from power management to what I call inventory optimization, you know, procurement sourcing, the whole one crew message that we specifically talk about. So from the enterprise all the way to the field services, how do they work in a remote elements? And bringing those components together with a digital backbone and processes is going to be more key. And you're already seeing that, right? Everybody has started working from home using a series of collaboration tools to make those connects, which are physically not possible at this point in time. So looking at that from a backbone perspective, from the work processes perspective, all the way down to the field and essential workers perspective and safety, those have to be looked at from a transformational processes, right? So I think that is going to be key for the oil and gas companies uh, to look at it from the entire stack perspective. And we're starting to see that also in, in engineering. And one of the largest EPC companies that we serve, Wood Group, we're actually looking at engineering anywhere centers, the ability to do move the engineering to the cloud, to move the workloads to the cloud, provide a hybrid cloud environment for them to execute those processes, and then distributing those workloads across the board. So this is a, these are some of the key things that we are starting to see from our clients and we are engaged with Aviva to make these transitions happen for the clients in real time. I think Harpit can also add to that.
1: Absolutely, Zee. So IBM and Aviva, we've worked very closely at several places, but to echo what he's is saying, I think cloud is going to be the center of this transformation. Cloud is going to be the enabler of the next thing that people are looking for, which is collaboration. You know, as people are remote, there's be lesser and lesser people from at an operating site. there will be need to, you know, so first thing would be cloud as a foundation, collaboration as what they need to work together while working remotely. And they need to be connected, they'll be digitalized. You know, so all everything that is manual would need to be out there to be automated, to be digitalized. And the next thing would, would obviously come up is AI. I think that is the next enabler. This is the imperative for AI. You know people are not going to be present at the location be out there to look at every single scenario that means they're going to have to rely on technology such as ai to really provide them the decisions that they're looking for learning from the past because people may not have access to all the information readily access to walking over the next cubicle over a next office over to ask a question they're going to have to now Rely more and more on the technology to provide that guidance, learn from the past, and provide information to them. So, I see this moment as you know, sort of a transformational event for cloud to become an imperative, AI to become an enabler for collaboration for the connected worker.
0: Yeah, if some of the audience doesn't know this, it's amazing some of the inefficiencies that we accept in oil and gas day to day. So, you take an offshore site the group of people and engineers that design the original spudding the well don't necessarily talk to the people that have to come back and complete And go in production and build a production platform, and they definitely don't talk to the people that 50 years later have to decommission that well. And there's so much inefficiency just in the fact that they don't collaborate from the beginning of the well to the end of the well's life. I mean, there's millions of dollars in savings, but we've never had to do it. And I think as an industry, we have no choice. I think we're going to be required to run so lean and so efficient that we're going to have to adapt collaboration on, on a global scale. I mean, this is a global industry and you need the right tools and the tools are technology. So yeah, I, I agree. So the other thing, I kind of want your opinion on this. We didn't talk about this before we turned the microphone on. You know, We don't think this is the last pandemic that's going to affect us. We had this perfect storm of cheap, fast, global travel, social media, and then this low crude price thing. And so You know, not only is everybody locked down, we've had pandemics before in the world, but now everybody knows about it instantly. We know what's going on in China within seconds of it happening. Same way the Chinese know what's going on here. So we think in the future, we're going to have more pandemics. So this isn't a response that I think that the oil and gas industry needs to worry about one time. I think this is a new way of doing business going forward. What do y'all think about that?
2: Absolutely. I think if you look at the whole worker environment and I We're looking at it from the aspect of basically execution from social distancing to health monitoring to crowd density elements that are in play for workers. That is going to totally change the way we work from a previous aspect. The other element is we have pushed the envelope pretty aggressively due to this particular event uh, to go back into what I call, you know, working from home environment is going to change that processes for the companies across the board. Part of that, I think the challenge will be is, you know, we have to work through the appropriate regulatory requirements and other components that are a part of the industry as a overall, right? So that is going to be key. But but to me, I think when you look at social distancing and some of the other components that are required from a dealing with COVID-19 and COVID is not going away anytime soon. I think you're going to see that enter different cycles as it plays along. So the our work processes are already adapting. And the clients that we're working with and the clients we're advising, you know, are looking towards the ability of the technology components to play into that role, right? And so so we're starting to push those envelopes. That means, you know, you gotta have more bandwidth if you're doing video conferencing at the home home level, Your you know, equipment, your networks, even at the home have been updated. I'm sure most of us have done some element of that together. But when we start going out in the field worker environment, I think they're Uh, Where, you know, in the past, there was less of a digital elements. Now you're going to see more of that elements of, you know, work order management and what are called the, you know, rig management or dispatch management down to the process safety elements. So... You're going to see a lot more of that to play into the role of the future
0: yeah and it's interesting so you talked about ai earlier ai is the perfect solution for dispatch once the machine learns what needs to go where it's that's a perfect solution and up until now that's a person's job doing it and i know that we're gonna have some people probably write in and say well we don't want to lose jobs but what people don't understand is who's the best person to train an instance of ai to do dispatch It's the dispatcher that did it for 30 years, right? So her or his job goes to a knowledge worker job instead of just being a dispatcher because now she's training machine algorithms. So, you know, that is our future in this industry. And, you know, this lockdown and this low crude price environment and this low refined good environment is just going to force change quicker and quicker. All right, so one of my favorite things about IBM is that if y'all need domain expertise, you go get it. I'm sure that's why you've partnered with Aviva is because you needed their domain expertise. You know, they think they're world-class. So speaking of world-class, can we talk about some like real world stuff, maybe some real client examples? And we don't have to mention client names if you don't want to. I
1: think I'll mention a client example that I believe has been at the forefront of this journey towards agility. I talked about agility and flexibility, bringing about something publicly, you know, shared by BP. They've Basically, as I mentioned, you know, with all the fluctuation, what does a company need to do to really react quickly? Is to run different scenarios. They need to run, evaluate different planning scenarios, different market scenarios. You know, what crudes to run and under different scenarios, because there is a finite amount of time that is available for a company to react when when there is there is a you know distressed cargo available or there is a you know a short term opportunity out there. Now, BP has basically moved their supply chain management and planning scheduling tools up to the cloud, and we work very closely. IBM is, we are joint customers here. They've moved everything, and they were able to reduce their time to do a crude evaluation evaluation for new crude that's available, something which took them seven hours using the cloud modern technologies. They will reduce their time to just over three minutes. Wow! Imagine that, Mark. That that is the, so. That is the, wow. the agility of you know something that were take an overnight to come back and say, okay, what happened? Now is a coffee break away. You go and get a coffee. You get answers. You answer more more. So this is an example of me to what type of agility the companies will need to be able to respond and be step ahead, you know, better than market uncertainty, better than the market. You know, speed that is is coming at you. So we have others as well that we could share. Perhaps you can share a little bit on the engineering front where we also work very closely.
2: Right, and I think I mentioned uh, Mark earlier. The Wood Group. Wood Group is a large EPC, and you know, even prior to COVID event, we were working with them to you know look at moving the engineering workload, which you know are high, high intensive workloads from a graphics perspective and the large data models that you have to deal with from an engineering aspect of it. Right. And we were partnering with Aviva on that front already to try to get those workloads moved up into the cloud. So that made it even a the event, COVID event, it made it even a bigger priority to move that so that they can provide engineering services from anywhere. So part of that was a migration into the cloud. And to be honest, to look at the whole hybrid cloud strategy, it's not just the you know the cloud one size fit, all it's looking at the hybrid strategy to look at the workloads which are relevant and which ones have to be moved and to what components from the execution point of view. So Viva's is one that I think that, you know, from a partnering aspect of it really allowed us to come together and bring that, you know, combined knowledge of both the engineering workloads and the cloud workloads and bringing that together, you know, from an IBM and Wood perspective and moving that out. I think the other one that I really think about is, is if you look at EDNOC. EDNOC is using their monitoring, what they call the panorama room, to monitor all of the fields out in the Emirates across the board, right? And using both the technologies from a from a workload optimization perspective, and monitoring all of those data components. And IBM has been providing AI services to ADNOC in different capacities, AI and security and all those components that go hand in hand for providing monitoring, real-time monitoring of the fields, right? So when you bring those components together, I believe, it's a very unique time for some of these clients to take it to the next level of execution. So you're going to see some more standardization across the board. You're going to see more automation of the workflows and decision-making using AI and the components for that. And you're going to see real-time monitoring down to the next level of execution, looking at from work order management to people management to execution management from across the board. So I think those are playing out as we speak.
1: Z2 and Mark, you talked earlier on about inefficiencies in, in our industry. So just to give you two areas where one an example of inefficiency and one an example of an upside by by doing value chain optimization. So, so classic in, in the engineering phase, you know, I'll give you that at the construction phase, the tool time efficiency of per hour usage is roughly 30%. So that means for every hour that is expended in the construction phase, only 30% of that hour is actually useful work is done. 70% is, you know, spent in either you know, waiting on, waiting around for parts to come in or waiting, you know, since 70% is wasted effort. So by doing this digital transformation, by bringing all these parts together, by automating workflows, we can expand a lot more. We can capture from that 30%, if we get to 50%, that is a massive, massive step forward. And in, in Adnox's example, I was just reading an article yesterday published by Adnoc. they have reported by doing this value chain optimization, by bringing all of these, you know, parts, you know, just break, you know, they had 14 different operating companies by bringing them all together through the uh, Panorama Operating Center and by use of technology, they are reporting and benefits of $1 billion. Wow. Right. so it's not and, a small number that is not a small number, so imagine you know it may not be the same billion dollars, but I think there are massive benefits to be had there's massive amount of wastage value leaks I call throughout the system that we can address as a company, as an industry. To get better
0: at, you know, and the other thing that just occurred to me is when you start driving these type of efficiencies. Of course, right now everybody's thinking about cost savings, but the truth is you're also affecting lost time incidents. You're affecting HSE metrics. The more efficient you are, the less people you have involved in the job site, and the less chance of somebody getting hurt. So you're actually increasing HSE metrics while you're driving efficiency. I don't, I'm not sure what if there could be a better win-win around all this. We're getting close to winding down the show. I got one more question, and then we're gonna go pay the bills. But if I was an oil and gas company right now, and you know we're in this lockdown, and you know, I wasn't prepared for it, what can I do now to help speed up the recovery and get out of this current situation?
2: You know, I think planning exercises are there, models are there relative to the events that we foresee. But looking at from the aspect of, you know, from next time perspective, I, I would be looking at, you know, whole what I call the digital planning aspect of it, as well as, as the forecasted models that we typically use. And what I mean from digital planning is to look at the entire backbone from a digital aspect of it. Can you change and you know automate more of the components that you're dealing with from a transformational element? I also believe this is going to accelerate the digital transformation aspects with the clients across the board. You know, I think one thing that this has highlighted, companies that were had taken that into account early on will, will have a faster recovery and other companies can learn from that. So there's elements of lessons learned and adoption that they have to use across the board.
1: I completely agree. I think, Mark, so first thing I would recommend to all companies is look inwardly and see what slows down decision-making process. So between, I think the key to surviving and coming out of this environment is agility in their supply chains. So if they are able to respond to the market conditions as fast as possible, You know and and adapt to the market conditions that is going to be key to to their long-term survival so look inward and see what inefficiencies lie what are the manual processes that that stop this this fast adaptability as things change what are the limiting factors in there and really automate and digitalize those so really sort of making that connection between a fast, adaptable supply chain and a flexible operation that is aligning with that supply chain is key to success.
0: Yeah, I love it. This is part of the show where we actually get to our product reviews. If you have a tech product you want me to review, send it to me. You know the drill. If I like it, I'll tell you I like it. If I don't like it, I'll tell you that as well. Please, people, no heavy steel. This is like gadgety stuff. So big shout out to East Shining. They sent us two of these adjustable microphone suspension boon arms. They're $25.99. And I'm telling you, they're probably as good as our professional you know, ones that were paid 150 bucks for. So they're on Amazon. If you're into podcasting or if you shoot video, YouTube, whatever, you need a, a boom arm to hold your microphone, go check it out for, I mean, for $26, it's really a great deal. The link's in the show notes. And then if you've heard me talk about the street team before, it's an all-volunteer group helping us with our social media. Just go to Facebook, search for OGG and Street Team. You have to answer a question or two to make sure you're a real person and you sign up. You get cool swag. If you're in a local geographic area, whenever live events start happening again, you get to come with us as press and all we want is an hour's worth of work a week helping us with our social media. And then shout out once again to Nutanix. Nutanix enables IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid crowds. Plus... They're giving away these really cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speakers. So I have to do is go to Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast or just go to the link in the show notes. Click on it. We give away one a week. And actually, both Z and Harpreet, you could go register and try to win one of those Bluetooth speakers too. Since you're at home locked down, you can't do anything else. And then while you're online, go to AllGasTechPodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. That's how we let you know when there's really cool stuff going on. Oh, this has been great. So Z and Harpreet, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been invaluable. We get a lot of education in a short amount of time, but I just think it's great that both your companies are helping with this COVID-19 and this pandemic. And it was just just a great conversation. So, you know, love having you on the show. We need to get y'all back on somewhere in the future. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. This actually really has been fun. All right, folks, we're making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck
3: hey everybody alex here with the events on deck so due to current circumstances of course we are not able to have any in-person events so i have nothing of that nature to update you guys on but we have been hosting some virtual events so oggn is wanting to offer free webinars live happy hours etc during this time since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events we would like to keep you guys updated via facebook linkedin and twitter so be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering it has been free we want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home so please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events we are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Temp Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global
1: Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.